0: Hi everyone, it is Allison McGee, your host, coming to you from an upstairs room in my house where a biggish rock actually, it's quite big, it's probably twice as big as both my fists put together sits on the radiator cover in the corner. This rock is surrounded by other small rocks that I have brought back from various shores and woods, along with the beach glass that my best friend gave me one year for my birthday and a few odd earrings missing their matches. You can ride as far as the big rock, and then you have to turn around. That's a line that my parents used to tell me and my sisters back when I was a kid. The big rock marked the end of the driveway, which was as far as we were allowed to ride our bikes when we were tiny. My sisters and I, and my brother when he came along, grew up on 150 acres of woods and meadows, and we were free to explore all of them. But the road, the nearly Carlos Road, was the boundary of that world. When my parents had the driveway paved long ago, they dug up that big rock and drove it out to me in Minneapolis on a visit. They figured that I would want it, and they were right. Every time I look at that rock sitting on my radiator, I can still picture it exactly where it used to be embedded at the end of the driveway, next to the giant maple tree. The rock is gone now, transplanted to me here in Minneapolis, and the giant maple is also gone. But I look at that rock, and I remember how when I was 20 years old and living in Taiwan, I would pick up the heavy phone in the apartment I shared with a friend and our Chinese roommates and call home. I would do this at an extremely carefully calculated time of day when I knew that everyone back home in the Adirondacks would be either at work or school and specifically not home to pick up the phone. This was because international phone calls were ruinously expensive back then. And I had no money and my family had very little money. I called because I wanted to hear the phone, our phone, our family phone ringing in the house I grew up in. I would picture it there ringing in the empty house on the wall by the dining table, no one around to pick it up. I needed that connection. That's what I'm thinking about these days, in small and large ways, connection between people, between ideas between silences and loudnesses between continents and oceans and worlds I keep thinking about the places I have been in my life and the places I haven't been I'm thinking about the places I cannot see, cannot visit, can only imagine or remember. If they're clear and real in my mind the way they were when I was there am I still there? in some way? Do we in some way still exist in all the places we have ever been? On my phone is a screenshot of a Snapchat that my older daughter sent me when she was in the Galapagos Islands a few years ago. She was teaching English in a little school on an island there, where tall rock cliffs jut vertically out of the sea, where sea lions are as plentiful as the squirrels here in Minneapolis. I took that screenshot from a six second video of what I remember was a sea turtle clambering across the sand. At the last second, I remember the camera swung around and there was my daughter's smiling face, her waving hand, her long tumble of dark curls. Love you, mom, she whispered. I remember saying to the screen, My daughter, I could almost smell her hair, hear her voice, and then the video disappeared. Technology and its gadgets bring the seen and unseen worlds closer, begin to dissolve the boundaries we live by and have believed in. But is it possible that the boundaries were never there the way we imagined them to be there? to begin with. Once there was a five-year-old who stopped at the big rock at the end of the driveway. Once there was a twenty-year-old listening to the phone ringing in an empty house on the other side of the world. And now there is a woman sitting at a table, headphones on her head, mic to her left, remembering the past When I talk about chronology to my creative writing students, with chronology defined as the order in which something's told, I tell them that many writers begin in the now and then go back in time to fill in the in-between, back to the present and back to the past, floating here and there in time. That's because it feels natural, I say. It's the way we live our lives. We think we're one person but maybe we're not not really maybe we are all the people we ever were at all times everywhere and every place is it a stretch then to feel that if something or someone once was it will in some form always be invisible maybe untouchable but still there still here. When I first read the poem for today, Young Relics, by Emma Hine, it stunned me Emma Hine wrote this poem, but it feels like my poem, like she wrote it specifically for me, the way the best poems do. It feels like it could be a poem that I wrote to myself in a dream, a shadow me writing a shadow poem to find later when I needed to. I read this poem and picture myself as a child, my two sisters as little girls, three sisters in three years. I see my baby brother Seven years later, the day he came home from the hospital. This poem brings me back to the house I grew up in. One of my earliest memories is of the day we moved into that house, the house my parents still live in. I was three, and I remember looking through the window of our station wagon into the windows of the house. I remember someone carrying a rug into the house, I remember later that same day, wheeling my doll carriage up and down the upstairs hall over the painted brown planks of the floor, the young relics of a former life. Here's the poem, Young Relics by Emma Hine. They broke into houses, my sisters, the empty ones just built where nobody had yet tried to sleep. Little mounds of sawdust still in the corners, no floorboards loose. I imagine them being the way I've seen them be with horses, hands gentle on the walls. After all, a house must learn to hold a family with all its quivering systems of energy and grief. I once saw Sierra with a colt that wasn't ready to be ridden. She stood in the stall and talked until his heart rate slowed. All through our neighborhood, new houses were dark and panicking. And her sisters, bringing comfort where it wasn't supposed to be. No key for entry, no light allowed. Just a ritual gift for the rooms alone to remember. Hands on their painted flanks, voices in the eaves. Well, my friends, that is it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, spread the word by sending this link to someone else who might. Give us a good rating if you can figure out how to do so, and if you are so inclined. The original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi, with additional music composed and performed by Kelly Krebs. The artwork and logo for our show is by artist Mark Geary. Today's poem, Young Relics, by Emma Hine, was read with kind permission of the poet. You can find more of her work on her website, Emma Hine, dot com. Emma dot com. Please go. You're going to love her work. Words by Winter is created and hosted, written, produced, everything. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow it sounds so egotistical to say it's everything even though it's anything but egotistical because it's me sitting here at my table okay everything by me, writer Alison McGee tell me what you're dealing with and I will go in search of a poem to help you through to help us all through the way that poems have been helping me since I was a little girl you could say that poems have been saving my life since I was a little girl If you'd like one, send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com or drop me a line at the same address, which again is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. For more information, go to com. Words by Winter, conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life, because it is rough out there and we have to help each other through.